Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and this episode's guest is 450 Supercross privateer for Team Psychic Motorsports, Josh Cartwright. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Watch every round of the 2023 series with Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service, or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and original video content. For the complete 2023 Moto America schedule, head to MotoAmerica.com or follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for real-time series updates. Let's get started. We'd like to welcome to Pit Pass Moto Supercross racer Josh Cartwright. Josh, how are you today? What are you up to? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I'm just actually just working today, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I was curious about that. You were all the way on the other side of the country in Seattle, Washington this past weekend. You finished 17th in the 450 class. Seriously impressive. Took another LCQ win. Uh, how was it? How was the weekend for you? It seems like things have been going really well for you this year. Yeah, Seattle went, it was up and down, obviously, as they all probably saw on, on the heat race where uh kind of took a little digger in uh, the heat race and the whoops, literally just choked when what's-his-name was behind me again, uh, Chisholm. <laughs> I can't, I just keep messing up when he's behind me, I guess, but uh I literally had one corner to go again and just to, went over the bars and uh, luckily it didn't hurt me at all. That's what I was kind of doing when I was sitting there like in the child's pose, just like, am I okay? Like, am I good? So was able to come out in the LCQ. I knew, man, I was so focused for that LCQ. Like, I didn't talk to anyone after the heat race. I was so just, like, in my zone. I was like, as soon as I came off the track in the heat race, I was like, I want to get this LCQ over with right now because I just <laughs> want to get it over. I want to win this. I haven't texted some people. I'm like, I'm just going to go win this, and we're going to go. So got a good start, was able to get around cross, and just led the whole race. And then me and Hill had a little battle at the last corner. It's got to be, you know, tough when you have to go, like they always talk about it on the, the broadcast, of course, no one likes to go to the LCQ. And this year has been good for you. You've made it out of the heat races quite a few times. So you're becoming one of those guys where like you're a heat race, make it out of the heat race kind of guy to where it's got to be even more stressful when you get in one of these, you know, after kind of seeing what it's like to go through a night show, making it out of your heat race. Yeah, like that's the thing for this year. Like I wanted to be a heat race guy. I don't want to be messing with those LCQs or anything like that just because you never know what's going to happen. Like those guys are all good. Like obviously like this past weekend, the top four who made it were kind of the people I thought were going to go through when I was looking at the list. But you never know. Like uh, there's some other riders like Cross and Carno and, and Marquia who are also good riders. And if they get a start up there, they're tough to uh, get around or beat. So I definitely want to go through the heats mostly. And since San Diego, I've gone in through like a, quite a bit of heat races through the triple crowns, not having to go with the LCQ. So that's always the best. But at least for the LCQ, you get a little bit of TV time. So it kind of helps. <laughs> no, it's been great for you, for your sponsors, for sure. That's got to be a good feeling. So describe to our listeners out there, like, what does it feel like to line up against the best 450 riders in the world? Because when you look at it, like you're a main event guy now to where you're one of the elite top 20 guys in the 450 class right now. So, I mean, what, what does that feel like when you line up? It's got to be just a incredible, like mental feeling when you line up and you know you're one of the 20 best. I've gone through so many emotions this year. It's been pretty crazy. Coming into the season, I knew I could be one of those guys, but I haven't been that guy in a while. Uh, I've always been a 250 main event guy, and but the past two years I tried 450 
I either got hurt right before the season or in the middle of the season. So I just wasn't at that pace. So after the first couple weekends where I made it through the heat and then through the triple crowns, I went home and I just kind of just, just smiled the whole entire way home on the flight. Just like, it's like crazy how I'm one of those guys now. And, but now that I've done it multiple times, my confidence is way up. I go to the line, not thinking like, okay, I think I can make it in this heat. I'm going in like, okay, I'm one of those guys now. I got to get in that assist top nine, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, you expect to be there now, right? It's kind of like that next notch up to where you're like, I should be here every week now. And, you know, so like that mindset changes. Yeah, exactly. With our sport and with where me, Starling, Clayson, and all of us guys are, we're all very similar speeds. So it's all about confidence. It's who's the most confident that day? Who's going to run it in on them and kind of get in their head and be like, oh, man, he's kind of faster than me today. Because that's what it is. Like, we're all about 0.1, 0.2 seconds away from each other. So it's really just going to be who's going to sh- show each other the wheel and who's going to kind of get in, in each other's head that weekend. Yeah, and probably starts, of course. You know, that that yeah, seems to 100%. be even more of a factor this year because, like you said, the, the parity. You know, like everybody's so much closer. You know, you watch qualifying and there's, you know, a second and a half between the top 20 most cases. So definitely it seems like the competition level has never been so high. Of course, we say that all the time, too. But I want to talk about your unique story because I feel like you have one of the most unique stories out there because it's not only is it impressive that you're consistently making 450 mains, but you're a working man. You know, you you have a full-time job and even cooler is this story leading up to it where you raced your way through college. So tell us about this. You made your pro Supercross debut in 2015 while you're going to Florida State University. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, before I got into the sport or into the pro ranks that no one had really heard of. And um, my parents were always, always about school. Like I was never a training facility kid. I was a weekend warrior all the way until like my A year. And then after I won Loretta's, my parents were like, all right, let's see what you can do with some training. And uh, they moved me down to Florida my senior high school, but I still did school. Like I still, I moved down there by myself and I went to a regular high school and I was able to balance both of them going just a regular high school and train at GPF. That was like 30 minutes away. And they told me, like, look, like we know you want to try this sport, but you need to figure out how to do it with school because you're not giving up your education because this sport, even the champions who are running 250 championships right now aren't going to make their money until they get 450, if they even make it. And that's a small, 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 small percentage. So, And I wasn't winning. I was no Adam Censorillo. I was getting top 10s. I was getting top 5s as amateurs, but I wasn't showing factory speed. So I wanted to have a backup plan. So I went to Florida State, was able to get in with the Carmichael family pretty well because they lived in Tallahassee. I trained at their facility for four years. And uh, Ricky has some friends at FSU as well. So it was a good like little like uh, combination. Um, Jeannie Carmichael and Big Rick, like, they all became like my family almost. Uh, I went to Thanksgiving one day, one time with them at their house. Like it turned into a perfect situation. I worked for Jeannie as like a kind of like a little intern while I was in college while racing. And, and then I just kept going. And then once I graduated in 2018, I focused on racing for two years, rode up in Canada for uh, two years in the summer and did Supercross uh, for PRMX. And then once that special they did on me about four years ago or so, uh, this guy from Texas uh, named Scott, he hit me up on LinkedIn because he saw that special and just said, hey, I love your work ethic. Let me know if you ever need a job. Like, we'll see what we can do. And I ended up hitting him up in 2021, I think it was. Uh, spoke with the boss uh, that I was going to work with, and I was able to get a job at uh, UT System. And that's where I'm at right now. I just work uh, remote 
pretty much 90% of the time. Um, I only have to go into the office one day a week. So luckily with IT work, you can do it anywhere. But yeah, I'm just kind of on the work grind right now. But I kind of like being busy. So you end up graduating with a business intelligence analyst degree. So what exactly is that that you do every day? And I, you mentioned already that you landed with the University of Texas system, which from what I understand, that's a huge system. Like, you know, the state schools within Texas, you're working on their IT systems. But let's talk about what you actually do as a business intelligence analyst. So yeah, I graduated with an information technology degree. So I work for UT system as a BI analyst. We have data in the back end and we build reports out of it. So pretty much like a simple explanation, like this isn't exactly what I do, but it's a simple explanation. Let's say one of the schools wants to see who took psychology 101 from 2010 to 2019 or whatever, and how, how old were they, what year were they, and stuff like that. We go back and grab all that data and build reports out of them. That's what I do pretty much every day. I got lucky with them being able just to walk me through, and I'm just learning every day. Um, obviously, school, Florida State, prepared me as much as they can, but college kind of just lays a, uh, lays a platform down for you. And then once you get into the workplace, that's when you start seeing the exact thing you're going to be working with. So how did you end up choosing business intelligence as your major, though? I'm always curious about that, how someone ends up you know, landing on a specific major. So yeah, so IT is the major information technology. Business intelligence analyst is just the job. Um, when I was choosing my degree in college, at first, I honestly wanted to be a doctor. But when I got to that point in college, I was in a couple of the classes just talking to my buddies who were in that field. And they were like, and I said, do you think I'll be able to do this? They're like, do you want to race also? And I said, yes. And they're like, there's 0% chance you are going to be able to be a doctor and race. So um, both my parents are in IT. So they just told me, they're like, hey, if you don't know what you want yet, just go take a couple IT classes and just go from there. So I ended up taking them. I ended up being pretty good at it and I liked it. And I felt like IT was a good broad spectrum of a degree. Like let's say I don't even want to do IT for the rest of my life. Let's say I want to change something in 10 years. Having that IT degree will help me go anywhere, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it now, even in the broadcast element where, you know, Fowler's facts, where he's using data now to where who knows? Maybe that's something where you could end up, you know, sliding into a role like that down the road, combining your passions in a way. I've always said, like, if I was able to find a job in our industry, I would want to take it just because I love motocross. Like, it's my passion. That's why I'm still racing. Like, people ask me, they're like, oh, if you got a job now, like, why are you even racing? I'm like, it's because I love it. I love dirt bikes. Like, I can't get off of them. So, yeah, hopefully we can do something like that. Well, it's interesting you said your parents were both in IT. One of my questions is, do you kind of consider yourself to be a, a naturally analytical person? Is that something that just kind of is naturally interesting to you? Um, Maybe it kind of veered towards it. I never was interested, actually, in computers my whole entire life. Like, they were in IT. I never looked into it. Maybe it's just those things where kids are like, oh, I don't want to do what my parents do. But I've always had a very analytical mind. I've always I've been always a very smart kid. Like, in school, I was always A's and B's. So I think when I got to the point of choosing something, uh, doing computers kind of just made sense because my mind was already kind of in that area. And even with racing, like I'm a very analytical racer. I calculate a lot of what I'm doing while I'm racing. Like this weekend, Norrin was doing something behind me. I saw him go lower underneath me and I had to start thinking, I'm like, all right, what rhythm did he just do to do that? Like I had to think about it real quick and then I had to switch it right away. So 
I think that's always kind of been how we've been. And you're thinking about it real quick, air quotes, while you're racing. Maybe you make a mistake in one corner on the track and you have that whole lap to sort of let it marinate and then you get back to that section and then it hits you and you change your lineup, you know? Like that to me is always just one of the most incredible things about a you know an elite supercross racer. Yeah, you have to kind of switch. Like you have to know where everything's going because it was like this past weekend when we went after the sand section, the long rhythm. Like the main line was just double table over one, then like three two one or something like that. But when I went table over one, I saw him underneath me on top of the tabletop, and I was like, "How did he get there? And where's he?" I mean, I know you can three on, but like none of our type riders were threeing on. So I just kind of had to think about it and kind of, and I finally asked him after the race, I'm like, what were you doing? And he said, I was throwing on. I was like, oh. (laughs) Before you finish today's episode, first we have a word from our sponsor. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. Let's change gears a little bit about your, you know, like your day-to-day, you know, what it looks like. You're juggling a racing career, you know, an IT career, and then you got training on top of it and riding. So how do you fit all these pieces together? You know, like, how do you balance all that out? Yeah, like, so let's say, let's say like a day of riding for me. Let's say like a, a Tuesday or something like that or a Wednesday or Thursday. Um, it all, I have meetings every day pretty much. They're all scheduled the same time so that luckily I can schedule my riding around them. Let's say I went riding today. I would go in the morning. I would ride as much as possible, try to get home in time for the meeting or even do it at the track. And then I do most of my work either in the very early morning before I go ride or mainly at the night. Because like with IT, luckily it's not like, hey, here's your work for today. It needs to be done by today. It's, hey, it's all deliverable based. It's project based. So it's like, okay, here's your work. Have it done in a week or two. So that way I don't have to do it that day. I can do it that night as well and just have it done at a certain time and be able to close the ticket. Yes, you're not working on a normal clock, are you? I mean, it's that's a 24-hour clock where you're having to juggle all this stuff and fit it in where, where you can, it sounds like. Yeah, and unfortunately, toward like my moto sponsors, the job definitely does come first. Like, let's say my boss does text me that morning or something like that and says, hey, we need you today to do this right now. I would have to just do it that day. Like, I would have to skip the riding part of it and just work on the actual work. And then on top of that, because I saw where, like, your personal team, you're kind of like a side project, you know, so to speak, of Bubba Polly's Mad Parts Kawasaki team. And so on top of that, you got to juggle 20-plus sponsors maintaining that relationship, making sure they're happy. And you've got some great local sponsors that I wanted to bring up, too, that I think are really cool and unique. Ronnie Prado company, like a construction company, I think. And you got T3 Civil Engineering. And then the coolest one of them all that I think I saw, and I want to hear about more about this, is this shipping container sponsor, Eco Solutions, where you have a shipping container that you bring to the races and, and you get to stay in it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I have a lot of great sponsors. 
this year, like Psychic Motorsports is my is my premier sponsor. Um, this year, they've helped out a lot, and yeah, T3 Civil Link uh, and also Ronnie Prado Company. Uh, they were big parts, and Christy uh, Petit at uh, Cardinal Solutions. All four of those were huge parts of my uh, building my program this off season um, and making sure I had enough money to even do it. But yeah, then this Eco Solutions came in for Indianapolis, and then they told me they're like, "Hey, uh, we have this like little shipping container. We turn into a camper type thing." It's not called a camper. It's called just living quarters or something like that, uh, Eco Solutions. And he said, hey, we could bring it for the race. And I'm like, that actually be pretty cool. Like it'd be, be kind of like being back at the races when I was an amateur at the track, just stuff like that. And I stayed in it at Indianapolis. And they're kind of trying to work uh, some stuff in with Supercross to maybe be something next year, like maybe for the workers or something. But we might all honestly do it for maybe Denver or Salt Lake City. We're going to do it for another round, I think. So that little weekend was a really fun weekend, and they the sponsors loved all the attention they got. Yeah, what a great idea. I mean, it seems like so many possibilities, like you, you just brought up there, like workers can stay there, and you, you think about all the logistics that go into one round of Supercross, and then you racers thrown in, like where it's pretty nice to be able to have kind of a home base, so to speak, and not be different every weekend. Yeah, exactly. Like, you never know about the hotels, like this past weekend in Seattle, like the hotels downtown were stupid expensive. Like, so I had to go 20 minutes away by the airport. So if you, we can have the little eco places, it'll maybe like cost them only like $50 a night. Privateers will do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Are you, are you able to fly to the races this year or are you still driving? No, I fly. I fly to every single run except for the two Texas ones we had. Yeah. That's a whole other element of, you know, stress added in when you got to drive from, from round to round. Yeah. I, um, I'm definitely not a driver. Uh, I do not like driving even like last year. I had a smaller budget for flights last year. Um, so like I, I wanted to see how I could cut it loose. And so I drove to Indy and it was like 14 hours. I promised myself I would never do that again. <laughs> yeah, you're all stiff when you get there and need to go see the chiropractor probably after sitting in the car. So, yeah, it doesn't seem to work for at your level when you're a top 20 guy, that's for sure. Yeah, you definitely got to keep the body good. I, I go to my chiropractor, Matt Pennell, today actually at a 530, and I have a mas- uh, massage with uh, the sports masseuse there too, uh, Pure Motion. They're a sponsor of mine as well, and they uh, they help me out every single week, so my body's up, up to par. And, after that crash this weekend, I definitely need it. <laughs> the thing that impresses me most right now about Supercross is like all of you guys, to me, you guys are truly athletes now. Like my era, like I raced pro back in the late 80s. We were racers and riders, but we weren't athletes. Like you guys today just train like professional athletes to where I feel like that's what you know has taken this sport to that new level where everybody that gets on the track usually can make a whole 20-minute moto I just feel like the level of athleticism right now in Supercross has never been as, as high as it has been. It's crazy. That's, I mean, how in shape you have to be for this sport. And it's it, just, it never ends either. It's like, I mean, Ricky kind of, Carmichael kind of started it all being just that gnarly in shape guy. And he was so much more in shape than everyone that it just started progressing. And now you look at these top guys like Tomac, Webb, Roxanne, Sexton, like, those guys are in the best peak shape of their life. Like they probably have someone watching their food, their everything because they're all so gnarly and the tracks, the times, the speeds we're doing, it's, you gotta be in shape. Yeah. And you gotta be, you gotta be able to suffer. I feel like these days too, because like being at the limit like that for, for an entire race, like I just don't know how you can't be suffering a little bit. I don't know how those guys do it. Like how they go that fast. Cause like even with my speed, like I ride at probably like 90%. Like if I go 100% my qualifying times, 
Like, I, I, I think this weekend was, like, my first time I ever beat my qualifying time in the race. But, like, normally my qualifying time is just this all-out sprint that I'm going as fast as I can. And I'm like, how do those top guys do that for 25 minutes? Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. Well, I'm curious to know, if you aren't racing motorcycles, is there another sport that you would be doing that you're just as passionate about? Or is it moto only? Man, I... I've been moto my whole life, but when I was in school, I did all kinds of sports. Like I did basketball, I did lacrosse, I did cross country and swim were my two biggest ones that I did. I think a lot of that was just to stay in shape, but I liked it. Um, So I think if I never did motocross, I definitely would have kind of just stuck with whatever sport I was good at when I was growing up and probably just try to do that, which like a lot of us racers are, our mindsets are just towards what we're good at. Like, hey, let's just grind it out. Um. I love golf right now. I golf like crazy. I bet after racing, I'll golf even more. It's the probably the most frustrating sport I've ever played in my life, more than <laughs> moto. Uh, <laughs> I've broken a couple clubs. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of just all over. I think if I wasn't racing, it just kind of would have been the next best sport. Well, you're competing in all 17 rounds of the 450 class this year in Supercross. You've made every main except one. Uh, your best finish is a 14th. I mean, you got to be happy with how your season's been. What are your goals for this year? I would assume you probably want to try and get inside that top 20 in the final standings. Um, and then what's going to happen after that? Are you go, are you taking the summer off? What's the plans for the summer? So my goal for the rest of the year is I want to start being in the top 15 consistently. Obviously, this weekend I was close. So I want to get in that top 15 consistently and obviously the top 20 in points. Like There's a big payout at the end of the year for top 20 and 450. So definitely want to be in there. And I'm only like, I think, five out of it right now. But yeah, um, for the rest of the year, man, I don't know yet. I'm definitely not doing outdoors like the series. I'm just not an outdoor rider. It's not my forte. Uh, when I was in college, I didn't really focus on it. I only focused on Supercross, and then the summer, I kind of just took it off and just had a normal college life. Obviously, people will say like, yeah, but that's the heart and soul of our sport, which it is. I, I mean, I loved it as amateurs, but now where I'm at in my life with a job, like I don't have to go grind it out in 110 degree weather. Like, Last summer was probably my most fun summer I've had because I chilled here in Texas. I went and rode with my buddies here in Texas. Like I have a huge like Texas family of moto people because I came here a lot as a racer. And we just hung out. I went to the track on the weekends. We would ride. I would just ride my bike, not training, just go throw some whips with the buddies. Like after it, drink a beer and, and at a bonfire with them after the track. Like it was just fun. So I think that was even what helped me this year was because I was able to learn how to work with my bike and work all this stuff and and just have fun with it again and not worry about money and worry about it being such a grind. So I think I, I do this race in the summer called Riviera de Lou. It's like this Quebec arena cross race I do every year. So I'll be doing that. But if it does come down to the last round of like, or last like four rounds of outdoors. And I need like five points or something to get into that SMX. Uh, I will probably try to go do some just to see if I can get in, but um, we'll see. I have a good feeling. I'm not going to be close enough just because all those outdoor guys, once they get those points is going to leave us in the point standings. Um, if worlds, someone offered me a ride for worlds, I would a hundred percent go do it. I just got to get offered a ride. <laughs> Yeah, those listening out there, there you go. Like fill fill in that slot right now. Josh Cartwright needs a ride. <laughs> 100%. Well, Josh, really appreciate your time today and congrats on a fantastic season for you combining, you know, like just everything you're doing. I think Mitch Kendra uh, summed it up best. 
Uh, you're previously you were known as the fastest college student on the planet, but he he dubbed you the fastest working man on the planet. And <laughs> I'd say that's that's a pretty good uh, pretty good way to sum up what what you're doing this year. It's really cool to see. Been definitely watching your progress all all year. And uh, again, congrats on a fantastic season. Any last words though you wanna wanna share? Now would be the time. Thanks for having me on. It's been uh, really fun. I always love doing anything like with the media and everything and just trying to get my even my word out there, my story and just showing kids that it's uh, you don't have to wait your education for this sport. I know it's it's tempting because this sport is it's hard to do against the kids who are winning because they are putting it all in. But and look at Justin Cooper. He wasn't a top kid until his A year and now he's a champion and now he's an unbelievable rider. So take your time, kids, like just have fun with it. And then once you get on a bigger bike, then start kind of learn, looking into like just training and everything like that. But yeah, it's just been fun the year. I uh, can't thank everyone enough with my, my team, obviously the Mad Parts Kawasaki team. Um, they've been helping out a lot, but uh, Psychic Motorsports, T3 Civil, uh, Ronnie Prado, Chrissy Petit, FXR and LS2 are big sponsors of mine, uh, Flow Vision and Blood. Just everyone on my on my program. Everyone go to my Instagram, jcar8519, to check out all the tags that I put. And um, without them, we wouldn't be able to race. Uh, so I'm just excited for the rest of the season. I'm just going to keep having fun. And, and yeah, it's going to be an awesome year. Josh, all the best on a fantastic rest of the season for you. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmoto.com where you can listen to past episodes and purchase your very own Pit Pass Moto swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson and the production team at Wessler Media. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.